0: Well, amen. Thank you, ladies. Sometimes it's carved in our bodies by sores, we call ulcers. Sometimes it's carved, etched in our faces, in lines, we call wrinkles. Sometimes it manifests itself in a frown, Sometimes it's steps can be heard at night, pacing back and forth across the floor. And then at other times, it's muffled by the silence of someone lying in bed, staring up at the ceiling for hours upon end because they can't get to sleep. It's known by a lot of different names. In our text, Jesus referred to it five times by using the phrase, taking thought. And he was referring to the age-old problem of worry. I read about a man who was on his way home from a business trip and he was on his last connecting flight, and then he would be home to see his wife and children after being gone for a week, only to get to the airport and find out that his flight had been canceled or postponed because of bad weather, clouds are everywhere, it was raining, you could see the lightning, and so this man spent literally hours walking all over the terminal worried about having to get on that. And so he did it. And after he did it, he was looking for a place to get something to eat. And he happened upon a a Chinese restaurant. And so he went inside. He sat down and began to eat. And when he finished, he did what most people do. He cracked open his fortune cookie. And on the little piece of paper, it said, your recent investment will soon pay big dividends. It's been said that 40% of things we worry about are things that will never happen. 30% of the things we worry about are in the past and can't be changed. 12% of worry is dedicated to criticism we receive from others, most of which is untrue. 10% of worry is over health, which only gets worse with stress, and 8% of worry is related to real problems that will happen. So according to those numbers, 92% of our worries are worthless. Would you join me this morning in the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 6? With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you today on this subject, how to win over worry. Matthew chapter 6, how to win over worry. What we're about to read comes from probably the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. It was preached by Jesus, and He's very clear about this matter of worry. If you found your place, look in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. We're going to read that phrase or something similar to that five times in the next several verses. And by that, Jesus simply means, literally means, don't worry. Don't just go on thinking about this and and stressing over this. And worrying about this, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought, there it is again, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that, Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And here's the fifth time. Take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof and all God's people said amen before we get into the message let me make a, a couple of disclaimers here when jesus said take no thought for the morrow he wasn't saying don't, don't uh, have any career ambitions, or, or don't do any financial planning, or don't take out any life insurance, or anything crazy like that. Anyone who takes the time to study the Gospels will know that, simply because Jesus did a great deal of planning throughout his earthly ministry. The second potential problem that I see with someone not understanding the intent of the Lord's words is that they would understand them to mean, don't be concerned. Listen, Jesus would never promote a careless approach to life. A parent who is not concerned about their child playing in the street is not a good parent. A person who is not concerned with whether or not the gun they're handling is is loaded is acting foolishly. Jesus never puts his stamp of approval on foolishness. Listen, to be realistically concerned is good. To be restlessly worried is not good. And here's the difference between the two. Concern focuses on the present. Worry is attached to the future. The present is before us, and there are actions that we can take right now. The future is out of our hands. And so let's talk a little bit this morning about winning over worry. And the first thing that all of us must do, and by the way, all of us struggle with this to some degree. Can I get a witness right there? All of us struggle with this. The first thing that we need to do this morning is confront the problem. And in confronting the problem, Jesus speaks to us in our text of how unnecessary worry is. In verses 25 and 31, we are told in no uncertain terms that we are not to worry about what we're going to eat, or what we're going to drink, or what we're going to wear. And then Jesus uses some great illustrations. For example, he uses the birds to illustrate why it's not necessary for us to worry. And the point that he makes is simple. Man is better than the birds. Man is the crown jewel of God's creation. It was man, not birds, who was made in the image and the likeness of God. Now granted, God is the creator of birds, but he is the father of man. Right. Only man has the capability of having a personal relationship with With God. In addition to the fowls of the air, Jesus also made mention of flowers. He pointed to their beauty and and how effortlessly they grow and, and adorn the fields. And then he makes this point, and it's a great point. If God is going to look out for, and if God is going to care for the fowls of the air, and the flowers of the field, then don't you think he's going to take care of man? Of course he is. Jesus is making the point this morning that our worry is unnecessary. And then he also makes this point, it's unproductive. Someone has said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Listen, worrying never solved a problem. It never calmed a troubled heart. It never dried a tear. It never lifted a burden. It never removed an obstacle. Worry never has made bad things better or, or excuse me, bad things good or good things better. As someone has said, worry simply pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Or if you please, worry is wasting today's time cluttering up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Let me say that again. Worry is wasting today's time cluttering up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. The point is, our worries and our fears are unproductive. I doubt if there's anyone here this morning who could honestly say that they are better off today because of yesterday's worry. Look at verse 27 again. Matthew chapter 6. Which of you, by taking thought, by worrying, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, a cubit is about the length of the elbow to the furthest extent of your middle finger, usually about 18 to 21 inches. But the word stature there... Some people are mistaken. They, they think stature, so they think height. Well, how many of you can be taller, 18 or 21 inches taller, because uh, you're just thinking about it? That's not what the word stature there means. The word stature means age or, or, or uh, life span. The point that Jesus makes is that worry does nothing to add to either the quality or or the quantity of life. As a matter of fact, it has been proven to be detrimental to both of those. Dr. Charles Mayo, founder of the Mayo Clinic, said, Worry affects the circulation, heart, glands, the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects the health. And then he said this, you can worry yourself to death, but you'll never worry yourself to a long life. Wow. Jesus, how, how, how many of you think you can add one cubit to your lifespan? How many of you think that you can, uh, because you're, 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 you're worried and you're anxious and you're, you're, you're preoccupied with whatever it is, how many of you think that by doing that, that you're going to be able to live longer? As a matter of fact, medicine tells us that we'll probably not live as long. Worry is unproductive. Most of you have seen pet mice in a cage. Most of the time, there's a wheel in that cage that they can can run on. And I read something interesting this week. It said that that on average, a pet mouse will run 9,000 miles in its lifetime. And he's still in the cage. That's the way it is with worry. It's a lifetime. Of frantic running. With no destination. And you're still. In the cage. Well pastor. What am I supposed to do? Now, God gives us some suggestions. For example. First Peter 5 7. Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Or how about this, Philippians chapter 4, be careful, Paul said, that word means anxious or worrisome, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6, I'm looking forward, I've been studying Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, in that that, uh, range there. And looking uh, excited about starting a, a series soon that I've titled, Calm, Putting Your Anxiety to Rest. Paul gives us so much information in that passage of scripture that will help with anxiety. And in essence, here's what Paul said. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And he teaches us there that the pathway to peace is paved with prayer. Let me say it again. The pathway to peace is paved with prayer. I'm telling you, according to the Word of God, our worry is unnecessary. It is unproductive. And then Jesus tells us this, it's uncharacteristic. Jesus made reference to the Gentiles. Look there in verse 30, the the parenthetical phrase there, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. He's contrasting the Gentiles with the Jews who were the people of God. Today, the contrast would be between a saved person and a lost person. I'm talking about someone who knows the Lord as their Savior and someone who doesn't, a Christian and a non-Christian, a believer and an unbeliever. That's the contrast. Listen, it's one thing for an unbeliever to worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear because after all, the promises found in Matthew chapter 6 are not for the unbeliever. They're not for the lost. They're for the saved. They're for the people of God who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And church, listen, our Heavenly Father has promised to take care of us. And it's very uncharacteristic. For us as believers, as people of faith, to be worrying about the basic necessities of life. The truth of the matter is, worry is a denial of God. It's a denial of of God's sovereignty, it's a denial of God's authority, it's a denial of God's integrity. Well, let's just put it out of there where it is this morning. Here's what we're saying. When, when we get all fraught with worry and, and anxious and, 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 and focused on all of these things, here's what we're saying. Without saying it verbally, we're saying it through our actions that God cannot be trusted. Amen. I, I, know, I know what God says. But I just don't know that he can be trusted. Well, let me ask you this. If you don't know that he can be trusted when it comes to taking care of your needs, then how do you know that he can be trusted when he said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? How do you know he can be trusted? When it says that he gives unto us eternal life. Well, no, 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 no. You can't have it both ways. You can say, well, I believe God here, but I don't believe God there. Listen, if you don't believe God in all of it, you don't believe God at all. And when we are fraught with worry, again, here's what we're saying. Well, I just don't think God can be trusted. I, I just think that my situation is too big for him to handle. Preacher, I just think my load is too heavy for him to carry. My problem is too great for him to solve. And I'm here to tell you this morning that none of that is true. With God, nothing is impossible. I mean, you go back in the Old Testament, you read some of the the problems that that people brought to God and some of the the situations that God intervened in and turned around and then come back to me sometime this week and tell me that what what you're facing and what you've got is just too big. Because it's not. And I don't want to come across as getting on to you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning that nothing you're facing is too big for God. That nothing is too hard for Him. That, that this situation, well, it's, it's, it's complicated. Listen, it's not as complicated, so complicated that God can't handle So we need to confront the problem of worry. And then we need to pursue the command. And here's the command. Look at verse 33 again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's look at the purity of of this pursuit. The kingdom of God. What is that? It speaks of the realm of God's rule. When we're seeking God's kingdom, we're seeking for His will to be done in our lives. Listen, the best cure for worry is to totally submit yourself to the rule And reign of God in your life. And trust Him. As long as we insist on being in charge of our life. Then we will have every reason to worry. Because we don't know what's best for us. But God does. I know, I've been there, we think we've got it figured out, we've got a plan, we've got an agenda, we've got it all mapped out, but we are so finite in our understanding. God is infinite, and God knows far better what's best for us than we could ever begin to think. The psalmist put it like this, as for God, His way is perfect. How many of you would agree with this statement this morning? God can be trusted. Amen. The psalmist said in Psalm 910, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Psalm 37, 5 is a great verse of Scripture. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Listen, church, God can be trusted. Notice, talk a little bit about priorities here. Notice where the Lord's words on worry fall. They're right in the center of his teaching on personal possessions. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Those who base their lives on the acquisition of things tend to be the ones saddled with the most anxiety. But Jesus has a very simple prescription. Get your priorities straight. Seek the things of God first. Come on. Seek the things of God first. Live the righteous life that he would have you live. Avoid distractions. And as you do... Everything you need will materialize. Now listen, I'm not trying to go all Joel Osteen on you here. I'm actually using the Bible. And that's what Jesus said. But notice, I said everything you need. Amen. Not everything you want. See, that's where me and Mr. Joel part ways. He'll convince you that, well, you just do this and God will give you everything you want. That's not even in the book. Don't get me started. Just a couple more amens and we'll chase a rabbit or two here. God never promises to give us everything we want, but he does promise to give us the things we need. But here's what I have found personally, and I know some of you here this morning have found this out as well: that God is not beyond giving us the things we want as well as the things we need when our priorities are straight. Amen. God can do that. Listen, God wants to bless his people. But we've got to put ourselves in a position to be blessed. Amen. When old preacher said you. You got to be over here under the the spot where the blessings come out. And we got to keep ourselves here. We can't be dilly dallying over here and hanging out over here and doing something over here and chasing our own goals when the blessings of God are over there. So that's what Jesus is saying, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get your priorities straight. Live your life according to the word of God. And all of these other needs will be supplied. And maybe occasionally even a want or two. Because God's just that good. If the circle, excuse me, the cycle of worry has become so powerful that you can't seem to break it, then here's what I'd encourage you to do this morning. Step back and ask yourself if you have your priorities straight according to Matthew six thirty-three. Ask yourself yourself this morning? Do I really, really trust God? Or is it just all lip service? If we're willing to concern ourselves with God and how we can best serve Him, then He will concern Himself with us and how He can best meet our needs. Let me share a couple of thoughts with you as we begin to wrap it up this morning for one of my favorite authors, Dr. David Jeremiah. Just two thoughts real quick. The first one is this: Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. Write that down. Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress." Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 25 says, "And as thy days so so shall thy strength be. Church, listen. Leave tomorrow alone. When tomorrow comes, God will give you the grace and strength you need for tomorrow. But listen, we're not in tomorrow yet. We're in today. Focus on making it through today. Seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness today. And when you step in tomorrow, it's still going to be today. And God's going to give you what you need to make it through Monday. And you'll come to the end of Monday and step into Tuesday, and God will give you the grace and the strength to do that. Mark Twain said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. Mm. Future-based anxiety is empty. So don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. And by the same token, don't dwell on yesterday's mess. One thing is always true about yesterday. Mark it down. It's always true about yesterday. You ready? It's gone. It's gone. It's totally out of reach. And there's nothing we can do about it. Amen. I can't do anything about yesterday. It's like a coach who watches game film and he watches it over and over and over again just hoping that that field goal is going to be good. Or the next time he sees it, that buzzer beater is going to go in. Or that ball is going to be fair instead of foul. Or that shot on goal is going to be good. But listen. Listen. He can watch it a thousand times, and that ball's not going in the bucket. And that ball's still going to be foul. And that shot on goal is still going to be wide. And there's nothing, there's nothing they can do about it. Yesterday is gone. It's over. So there's there's no reason to dwell on yesterday's mess. You with me? Someone once wrote this, and I appreciate what Brother Mike said earlier during the song service. Somebody wrote this, My name is I Am. If you live in the past, it will be very hard, for I am not there. My name is not I Was. If you live in the future, it will be very hard because my name is not I will be. But if you live in the present, it's not hard for I am I am. Listen, living by faith in the great I am not the I was or the I will be but in the great I am is the surest way to win over Our musicians come this morning for the saved child of God who trust in the Lord. Listen to me. According to this book, we don't have anything to worry about. As long as we're seeking God and His righteousness and our priorities are straight and we're seeking God's rule in our life, we don't have anything to worry about. But for those, listen... Those who have not been born again into the family of God. Can I just say this this morning? You have every reason to worry. You have reason to worry in this life. Because your provision is entirely up to you. And what you can do to make it happen. Without Christ, you just have to hope that everything goes your way every day. But you have a greater reason to worry beyond this life. Because when this life ends, eternity begins. And an eternity without Christ in hell is something to be feared indeed. The good news is, listen, God has made provision through His Son to give you peace in this life and in the next. And we would love to have the opportunity to tell you how that can be for you today. As we enter into our time of invitation. If you're here this morning and you've never settled that matter with God, and you can't say that you're sure that you're going to heaven when you die, but you want to be able to say that, you want that peace in your heart, then this is the time to get that settled. If you're here today and you are a believer. And again, I'm telling you, listen, I wrestle with my own doubts, with worry. We all do, to some degree. Some more than others. But I want you to know this morning, Christian, God's got this. God's got it covered. And maybe this morning you need to just come and renew your trust in Him. Renew your faith in the God who you trusted When he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that same God keeps every promise that he's ever made to his people. And this morning, you just need to come and say, God, I believe. I trust you. Give me victory over this worry because the preacher was right. I'm still in this cage. And it's not productive. And I understand that it's not necessary. And I also understand that it's very uncharacteristic of someone like me who says I'm a child of faith. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today.